Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I'm talking to the wonderful Nicole Brown. And our conversation focuses on the practice of reflective journaling and how this can be a support for yourself, but also help you to develop ideas and know what not to develop as well while you're on your PhD journey. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Nicole. Hello, good morning, good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I am very excited to talk to you. I came across your work through your brilliant book on ableism and um, went to that conference too, so it's awesome. And even though we're not actually actively talking about that today, I would totally recommend that to people and I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes because it is fantastic material. Um, but then I found out, not only do you do that, but you're also doing stuff about journaling and reflective journaling. And I was like, right, we need to talk. <laughs> and you said yes, which was fantastic. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you very much. I'm always very humbled when, when people find my work and find it interesting. I mean, that's obviously the kind of the best compliment you can get in academia, really. And well, it, well it is great work. Great thank work. You. Um so we always begin with asking people about their own journey. I know you're and you're currently doing a PhD just now alongside lots of other stuff. Is that right? I'm finished. Oh, you've just finished. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, finished. brilliant. Yeah. So I started, um, I came into academia relatively late. I had a career as a secondary school teacher. I then took a career break um, and I had my own translation company working from home. Um, and only then did I start doing like little bits and pieces in teacher education at university. So I came at this really as my third career, if you like. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> so um, when I started my doctorate in 2015, it was really because I could realise that I would not be able to have a career in academia, the kind I would want right. if I didn't have a doctorate. So I had a very specific reason for why I wanted to do the PhD. And yes, there is the idea that you want to do something for the greater good and that you want to make a change in the world. Of course, there is. But it was also a very pragmatic choice that mm -hmm. I had gotten as far as I could get without the PhD in the kind of job environment that I found myself in. Mm -hmm. So I really needed the PhD for, for professional development as well. And that's how I started it. And I did part-time. And obviously, if you look at the statistics, part-time students, mature students, they're all the students that fail and drop out. <laughs> <laughs> so statistically, I'm quite, um, yeah, I'm quite unlikely. I was ever quite, quite unlikely to finish my work. Um, but actually, um, I got it done in four and a half years. Amazing. So in Amazing. January 2020, I had my Viva. Um, and I've, yeah, I have finished my work and, and I'm a, a doctor now. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I think it is really useful to hear about a kind of very pragmatic route through. Um, 
And actually, I'm wondering if that was helpful in terms of like really clear of like why I'm doing this, because I think everybody has that kind of wet Wednesday is like, what on earth am I doing here? And well, actually, to be honest, yes, I think for me, it was very much that pragmatic line that took me through the PhD. I didn't meander. I didn't I didn't stray. I had a very clear idea of what I wanted to do research wise, how I wanted to do it. To be fair, I must say that because I came at this rather late in my career, I had already done research projects. Mm. I was already teaching research methods. So certain elements of the work that PhD students would usually need to do, I didn't need to do anymore because I was I had already been teaching all of that. Mm. So I didn't need to find out about epi- epistemology, for example, because I knew exactly where I was going to go. So in that sense, I came at it with you know quite a, a clear idea, very clear idea, which most doctoral students probably wouldn't have. Mm. But once you have got that, you can then take that pragmatic um, route that I took Mm. Mm. and basically just focus everything on that. So whenever I had an idea of doing something, it was, okay, is this going to get me to the thesis more quickly? Then I'm doing it. If this doesn't help me get to the thesis more quickly, then I'm parking it. And that's actually how the Reflective Journal book came about. That was one of the ideas that was parked. I love it. I love that for so many reasons. So I love the kind of, is this this taking me forward with the thesis? No. And it makes, it reminds me of my, I had a fantastic advisor on my um, PhD, a lovely supervisor, but um, he said to keep these boxes of kind of all the ideas, because I have loads of ideas all the time. And he was like, literally have a physical box where you put the stuff in and that's for after the PhD it's for after the PhD and that you know that builds you up a you know a lifetime's work of uh, worth of work doesn't it so I love that this reflective journal work this deep work that you're engaged in was a kind of one of those boxes and, well, and it, actually in in the book I am writing about an ideas box so I'm oh, saying that now yes so I'm saying that now so that is very clear I haven't actually stolen the idea I do, I do I have to, yes and I haven't paid you any money to say that either have I yeah. <laughs> but what I think is brilliant is like it proves that because I think sometimes you say that to PhD students they go oh yeah no but what you mean is actually put it away it's like well no oh. actually it you you almost certainly will come back to it because once you get involved in kind of you know teaching and the academic stuff you don't necessarily have that thinking time so really this is you know it's a mine of ideas and really note it down and then really come back to it it's not just that there's a lot more to that as well because a lot of the PhD students I have met and that have started together with me once they had the thesis submitted and the viva done and then the corrections done they came into this slump of of not really knowing what to do with themselves. Suddenly the big part of their everyday routine has gone because no longer do you you don't have that thing anymore that you focus on. So suddenly they they are kind of, you know, at at loose end. They don't really know what to do with themselves. They haven't really got a focus on, on, you know, well, what, what could I do next? But if you've got this ideas box, you know, you're never running out of stuff because there'll always be something in there. And okay, you know, you go through it and you think then, oh, well, at the time, this may have looked like a brilliant idea. Actually, it's not that brilliant. Well, don't throw it away. Just park it because two years later, perhaps you do find actually this was a good idea. So, you know, you're never never running out of ideas. You've always got something to do. 
And then you can decide on whether or not this is, you know, worth your time to be spent on it or not. Love it. Love it. Um, so we've, we're already starting thinking about this, this the reflective um, journaling. And, and you have a book coming out about this, which I am looking forward to. It's pre-order. Um, so tell us a little bit, because some people, I think, won't even know what reflective journaling means. Um, yeah. And other people would be like, yes, I want to use this alongside my PhD, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. So, so yeah. tell us a little bit about, about it. So the, the, the whole thing was everybody tells you to keep a research journal. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter what, at what level you're doing your research, whether that's undergraduate, postgraduate, postgraduate research, everybody tells you to keep a research journal. And, and, and I'm, I'm including myself here. <laughs> when I was master's level supervisor, I am, you know, as part of the teaching education courses and all of that, I also said all the time, keep a research journal, but we don't really teach how to keep a research journal and how to make the most of it. And, and you know, what this actually means, we just tell everybody to keep it, but no, no, there is no guidance <laughs> around it. And that's, that was the big frustration. So it was really funny because I, as a teacher, um, I've always been reflective about my practice. So mm -hmm. reflective journaling or reflective thinking is part of what you do in everyday life anyway, because as you go into the classroom, you teach, you reflect on what happens what worked, what didn't work, why worked, why did it work, why did it not work, what's the kind of variables that are at play here. So you're always kind of reflecting on that. It's a very specific way of, of, of working, really, and it's mm. quite embedded in what you do. Mm. And yet, when I then started my PhD, obviously the first thing that I heard was keep a research journal. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but actually, once you start looking at it, it's like, well, I didn't, even I didn't really know how to keep a research journal effectively. Mm. Mm. And it's mm. like, well, suddenly you're starting to worry. Am I writing everything down that I need to write down? Um, am I writing enough down? Am I not in writing enough down? Am I writing down the things that are actually relevant because they seem relevant now, but are they going to be relevant in two years time when I'm writing my thesis? So suddenly there was this great big question about how do you actually keep a research journal? And at the same time, so that, that, that was kind of one strand to how I got to starting out about thinking about the whole process. The next strand then was um, obviously a lot of the research journals and reflective journals that I see as part of my teaching and my practice are written ones so they are you know like following a very clear guidance you know this is what I've done this is what I've observed this is what happened and this is what I'm thinking about it so there's a very specific way of how to to do that in teacher education we've got all these reflective models of teaching um that were reflective models of journal writing or whatever that you do so the reflective models are um all sorts of different ones but the, the easiest one is the what so what now what so it's like, you know, you, you're going through the different kind of levels of analysis and it's just, a, okay, what's happened? You're describing that. So what does that mean? Now, what does that mean for the future? So there is kind of an, an, an analysis of the description and then a meta-analysis of your analysis. So that's how it really works at a simple level. Mm -hmm. But again, most of that is in writing. And actually, written form is not natural for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it certainly isn't natural in, in some um, contexts, because sometimes 
we know that words fail us and and and, and actually you know language is quite imprecise in many ways too um i mean i always give the example of of headaches if you think of a headache um and the headache before you get fever is different to the headache that you have after a hangover or the headache that you get when you have a migraine so how do you use the right word to describe exactly that headache so that's where we find you know that the, the language is often quite imprecise it's inconsistent and people struggle with writing it and to be honest another element is that you kind of feel like you have to write something just for the sake of writing it mm-hmm. and, and that's not necessarily the best reflective entry so mm-hmm. it's again is kind of trying to experiment with that and that's how I came to it to actually say you know what reflective writing isn't necessarily writing it's reflective journaling and that's the whole book is built up on the idea that we're talking about reflective journaling and journaling can be um, taking many different forms you know so for example many people will be um, familiar with the bullet journal for example Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is a very specific way of journaling Um, and then within the arts we've got art journaling where people will be just paint just paint your feelings paint your emotions or your observations yep. and 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 that kind of journaling is is also a very very valid approach to reflective and um you know thinking so that's really the idea behind the book and then the book itself just takes you through all of these different options i'm not saying that there is one that's right or wrong because what works for me may not work for you. And what works for me today may not work for me tomorrow. Mm. So it, there is so much flexibility. But what I'm always trying to say is that don't live with the expectation of having to do it in a particular way. Mm. Try to experiment and try out different things. And mm. that's what the book really is about, just trying to show different kinds of journaling and different tasks and, and different, also different equipment that we can use for journaling purposes. Love that. I love it. And it's that sense, isn't it, of journaling as being a kind of conversation with yourself. So it's not a diary. Because I think often people think that's it. I've just I've got to write down everything I've done. And it's kind of, well, no, <laughs> actually, you're because you're going to, you're dive in so deep on a PhD journey don't you and you go to these places these amazing places but then when you come out of them again it's 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 hard to kind of totally capture that so it's kind of do that work for yourself in the moment capture that and like you say you might journal in a in a, in a way that's very kind of expressive and you might be there might be images or collages yeah. or sounds and that that will take you back into that experience so that when you do come to writing it up, you've kind of, you've actually captured the layers of that. I love it. But it's also, there's a lot more to that because, you know, like I said, you know, the, the keeping the research journal, you, you're keeping that for a particular reason. So some of it is, yes, you're trying to make sure that, you know, you remember certain bits and pieces, but for example, when you reflect on your reading, that kind of reflective entry may look quite different from the reflective entry that you have after an interview that you have just done with with a participant, for example. So you've got all these different kinds of ways of actually taking notes. Um, And again, you know, there are ways of of making those things practical. And for example, the ideas box is one of them, where it's literally just writing down the idea and stick it somewhere. Other people may have it as an extra spreadsheet. It doesn't really matter in which way it works for you, but it's just a way of capturing that note, that thought, 
because in two years' time, you're not going to remember it. Yeah. And you will be having it there knowing that it, oh, there was something, but what exactly was it? I can't quite grasp at it. And that's where the note-taking comes in. So keeping a reflective journal or research journal, as I call it, I call it a research journal, is actually a practical tool to get yourself organized as well as offering opportunities to analyze and, and, and bring you more data and quite interesting data too. Yes, fantastic, fantastic. And as I know, sort of as a therapist, that 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 processing through journaling, because you don't always know what the information is until you take time to reflect on it. And you actually, oh yes, that's the thing that's coming through. Oh yes, that's the thing. So I just this is brilliant. And I would totally recommend if people haven't done this before to kind of experiment with it and That's find right. your own way through it. Because it is there's a, again, there is a little more to that because sometimes you kind of miss writing something down and, and, you know, like two years later, you suddenly realize, Oh, actually I should have written that down and I didn't. And at that stage, people then start beating themselves up for having been stupid or naive or, or whatever it is, not having realized at the time how important that is. But actually, there is a way of capturing those missed moments, too, in a systematic way. Mm. And again, that, that's you know one of the, the kind of tools or, or um, examples that the research journal um, book that I've written is, is about, is about showing how we can deal with those missed moments because once you start capturing everything you become this photographer on on a vacation where you just do all of those photos and you miss the actual vacation because you've not actually <laughs> focused on what's going on right. so you, it, that can't be the right way to deal with it right. but within the research journal when you're saying okay I'm doing what I can and I'm not going to capture everything because I'm going to focus on everything that's important now and if I do realize later on I've missed something that's important here is my strategy of how I can cope with that mm -hmm. so that's that's quite an important element of it as well yeah yeah so it is it is a way of supporting helping yourself conversing with yourself taking yourself deeper reflecting on it it's you know does it all people <laughs> does it all <laughs> um brilliant brilliant well hopefully we've encouraged people to give that to give that a go and see see how it might work for them um I always ask people rather unfairly but I do always ask people if they have a kind of top tip um to take away so what what would you offer us so yeah so I've got kind of two things really that I always say to everybody is first of all is don't be afraid to experiment um and just give everything a go but at the same time don't get too hung up if something doesn't work for you mm. um try it a few times but if if you find that it doesn't work for you then let go don't get hung up on, on on having to pursue this if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you and you have to kind of accept that too and the other thing that i always say to everybody is um the word fail is really an acronym and it's an acronym for first attempt in learning and that's really really powerful because it basically shows that it doesn't really matter what you do whether that's part of your teaching part of your research part of your journaling whatever it is 
we are allowed to fail because really it's just the first attempt. You know, it gets difficult when you when you fail in the same way every time. That's when it becomes problematic. But if you fail in that sense, you know, just see it as your first attempt in learning, learn from it, do it better next time. That's the only thing we can ask of ourselves. So I'm always saying really that the top tip is to cut yourself some slack, to not get too bogged down with things and to just say to yourself, I'm learning here and that's part of it. Yes, I think that, as we know, so many PhD students have that perfectionist streak and that can be a real strength, but it also can be really paralysing. So I think that's brilliant. First attempt in learning. I'm writing that down. I've got it. (laughs) Nicole, thank you so much for all of that. Um, We will have the um, details in the show notes of where to find um, your information, where to find um, and uh, pre-order the book because it's not quite out yet, is it? No, it's it's going to come out in the autumn. Um, Okay. So I think October 2021. Brilliant. So we so we'll but we'll have the information so that you know where to find that and the links for Nicole. And also don't forget that you can sign up for the newsletter too if you would like to, because we always put some extra bits in for the podcast there. Thank you again, Nicole. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.